Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Jeff Seabach with Realty One Group in Scottsdale, Arizona. Last year, his team closed 387 transactions with a total sales volume of $175 million, while Jeff was personally involved in 176 sales worth $106 million. His average sales price was $452,000, of which 50% were buyers and 50% were sellers. Jeff has a 68-member team, 25 admin staff, 43 agents, and one team leader. Jeff is the team leader of the Seabock team. He's been an agent for 16 years and works the Metro Phoenix market. In this call, Jeff talks about how he niched into the mid-luxury market where homes are twice the average price, why he takes days, weeks, and even months to properly prepare a home for sale, the biggest problems he encounters with bringing older homes into today's style. You might be surprised. His 57-item checklist for identifying functional obsolescence. Why dropping the price might be the wrong way to sell a home. How fix-up, repair, and updating the home are now marketing costs. Why he will invest his own money to fix up his client's property. Selling the buyer on the home before the first showing. How he gets home photos to jump off the screen and gets buyers lining up for his new listings. Why he hires a professional photographer. Hiring a professional stager that he calls the seller's helper. Taking before and after staging photos to promote on his website to get future clients. Getting SEO leads by promoting neighborhoods over houses. Why open houses are the hot new way to find a buyer for your listing and how to host an open house to find more sellers. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Jeff. Hey, Mike. How are you today? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us today on the call. Jeff, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Directly before I sold software, I sold a CRM software, or I guess now in real estate, we call it database software, but for uh, a mid-market CRM product called SalesLogic, competed against actually a year or two before I was leaving, a new product came out called Salesforce.com, which now is massively successful, but that was uh, where I was in that space. Prior to that, I, was, I did hotel sales for a conference center in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, wow. So you had quite a bit of sales experience. Why did you decide to get into real estate? I didn't like working for the man or you know, having a, I guess like many people, having a boss, having to do what they wanted me to do. You comment about sales. I had very good sales training, but the the software company 
I had worked for one product that was very steady and good, meaning it performed very well. But at the second company, the product didn't always do what it was supposed to do. It didn't have the functionality that, you know, the company said it worked, but I sold a lot of it. But then people would be upset because they didn't get what they thought. And so one, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And two, I always thought that, man, if I could sell something that I could deliver on and the people would be happy with my delivery, I could get a lot of referral business. And you know what? It's worked out okay. <laughs> so my path in wanting to become an entrepreneur, I didn't want to work with anyone, but you know, I was scared, but I was like, I was excited to control my own destiny. Let me say it that way. Uh, fantastic. Let's talk about this. How long have you been in the business now? I think it's 16 years. 16 years. I got my license in 2002. Let's fast forward to today. How many homes did you sell last year and what was the sales volume? Uh, last year, the team did 387. I think individually, I was like 176 were the deals that I was a part of. So. The team volume was, uh, I don't know, I think, $175 million. And my sales for the year that I was directly involved in was, uh, I think, $106 million. So I do something different in the industry than the other uh, top agents do, is that I teach the agents on my team to do exactly what I do, meaning I open up the kimono, I share everything we do. We do a ton of training because we're out trying to be a trendsetter constantly and do different things than the traditional realtors do. And then we share them and the technique in a very specific training environment. And then it helps them grow their business. So there's basically two aspects of the business that we run. Let me get a big picture view of what's going on there. So it sounds like you have a big team and then a smaller team or a sub team, your, your individual team. Yeah, it's just one team. I mean, there's the employees of the CBOC team. What we do is we provide and support with services to sell real estate to the 40 agents. There's an agent involved in every deal with me. I'm not in any deal now alone, but there's not a sub team. What you're looking for, the difference is, is when I create a lead, that's considered a Jeff lead, and then they have leads that they create out of their own sphere. So it's not two teams. It's just two different lead sources. Okay. I make a different split on whether I created the lead or they did. So we allow them to work on both. So well, that makes sense. And just why we're there, what, what's the split difference? On our leads, for buy leads, it's either 50-50 or 60-40. Depends if inside sales sets the appointment or not, then it's a little less. Um, if they set the appointment, then it's 50-50. And on seller leads, it's 70-30. And then on their business, it's seventy-five twenty-five for the first sixty thousand in commissions, and it's eighty-five fifteen for the next sixty thousand, and it's ninety ten. They're more incentive to sell their own, but when you're behind the brand that we have, selling our leads is a little easier. Actually, we're seeing more and more agents just want to be like, "Well, I just want to work under the leads that you create because they don't have any expenses." Sure. When an agent sells twelve million of CBOC leads. That commission check in their net check is very close to what it is, whereas in Create Your Own Leads, you have expenses, just like I have expenses for my business. So they're like, well, I don't want to have to do all the marketing. I'm okay with just getting a, a very good net check. Because our 
average sales price is 600,000, right? Even at 50, 50, if the commission's 3% is 18 grand, they're making nine grand a house. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's some pretty good income. I mean, the average, yeah, the average sale, you know, cause I tease them cause the average sale on their own business is like 270. So even if they're getting the full 3% on 270, they're making the same, you know, it's about the same amount of money, whether it's my lead or their lead, even though the sales price is higher, but they have no expenses and no headache. They have less headache and they have all the support services. They focus just on selling for the leads that we provide. Jeff, are you targeting your business towards uh, the luxury end of the market? Absolutely. Yep, what I call mid-luxury. I think there's a point in selling where the the higher I get, there's a point in which, not like a super defining line, but where the client does not respect or feel that they need my advice as much. They know they need me, but they want to run the ship. And we sell houses differently. We actually do a lot to try and actually sell the house more than I think what I call traditionalists do. And so the people from 500,000 to 2 million know they need us and appreciate what we do versus, okay, I want you to do this type of marketing. Well, you know what? I'm number one in Maricopa County. I think I understand how to sell houses, right? Like we're going to go the path that, that we have paved, not in a mean way, just that we're very good at this. While we're on that, let's talk about and open that up a little bit. What is your marketing plan for selling a home? How are you getting homes sold quicker than your competitors? We, uh, we don't list houses. How about that one? Right? So we consult with them. I know we, we eventually do, but we go through a process in helping them prepare a house that's different. So what it is, is I've been in 17,000 houses in the last, you know, 16 years a little more than 17,000 houses. And I've been in over 5,000 houses with buyers. And there is uh, things that you can do with a house to help it sell, to appeal to buyers in today's market, not five years ago, not 10 years ago, but in the market today. And that you can prepare a house in decluttering, depersonalizing, staging is what we call it. And then also help them fix up the house, meaning, you know, brass is out and you know, they don't like four different colors of paint and, you know, I mean, just, just different things. So 50% of what we do when we sell a house is pair the house for sale. And it's an involved process that is unlike any other. And we don't charge people for the, we still just get a standard commission. So they get a, a higher level of service with the CBOC organization than they can get from any other. I mean, I have now have people copying me in my marketplace. Obviously, it's working. Or try, they're trying to. When you go in to prepare the home, how much time are you spending in that phase of the process? Is that taking a day, two days, a week? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Week. Weeks. Or a month or two months. Three months. What is typically happening during that time? Upgrading the house, right? So adding granite, stainless steel appliances, painting. What it is is, the curb appeal used to be you drive by a house, but now because we put all the photos online, the curb appeal is what's in the photo. So I compare home selling to it's uh, like uh, dating online. 
right? Because now the realtor has lost control of the marketplace that the buyers are now doing all the shopping without the realtor involved. So the realtors get involved later where it used to be the realtor used to be that confidant used to be that, you know, that I would go to and they would show me 15 houses. Well, now they just come to us and like, I just want to see this one. So it's just catering to the, what I call the new world of selling. I don't know if I answered your question though. Did I answer your question? You're getting us there. Yeah. We're, we're getting bits and pieces and we're filling in a picture. So it sounds to me like you're going in and actually remodeling properties. You're doing a lot of work. That's true. Yep. The largest project we've done is 217,000, but generally most of them are between 1,000 and 15,000. So what it is is that the buyer pays, like I have the same floor plan. Agents use price per square foot, which is inaccurate in the mid-luxury market. You know, 30% of the time, we can't, price per square foot's a, a dated way. It's a simple way of looking at selling houses. Houses sell in a range in a neighborhood, but we can see the same floor plan sell 100000 or $200,000 apart based upon what the house looks like. You see people, I call it the trend, right? Like you see people paying for today's trend, which is shaker cabinets and ports and open floor plans. So it's just, what I do is I consult the seller and I ask them, do you want to sell it for top dollar, right? Or they say, I want to sell it for this. And I'm like, okay, well then we're going to have to do this. And if they say, want to do it? We help them do that process. We interview, we got, you know, seven pages of contractors. Aha. And a question is, who funds that? Are you funding that work or is the seller funding it? Most of the time the seller is, but depends on the situation. What I call marketing dollars, right? To me, sellers used to stage houses. They put furniture in it. Well, guess what? The furniture doesn't make the house worth more, right? And also, technically, I don't think furniture sells houses. So if you add granite, guess what? Instead of spending... 5000 on furniture that a realtor used to pay for, it's called marketing. We're making that house more marketable. So sometimes we chip in as well. Do you have a rule of thumb for how much you'll pay for the, the marketing, these improvements in the property? No, it's just a gut feel. I mean, it just depends. Well, if it's, I mean, right now, if it's under 500000 we're not doing anything because there's only two months of inventory in Phoenix. So it's just that in some areas, it's tougher to sell a house. Like I just went into a house where my competitor, what I'll call a traditional realtor, listed the house for six months, couldn't sell it, right? We removed some bushes and painted the cool decking and then we sold it in three weeks. So I don't know. Did it work? I think it did. The seller's pretty happy, right? They said they wanted their house sold. And in that situation, did you pay for those improvements? I covered uh, like... 600 bucks of the stuff. So, but I also pay to clean the house, pay to clean the carpets, clean the windows. And then I provide a stager to get it all done. Like uh, what I call a seller helper. So I, I paid for those services, but I mean, those are all people part of my marketing team. I don't ask for the money back. I don't, you know what I mean? It's not, there's no, it's a, uh, there's no catch. There's no hitch. We're just on the same page with the seller. We're all trying to get the most money for the house. And you know what? They like they don't like it at first because they're like, the other realtor said we could sell it as it was. And I'm like, well, that's certainly not true. But because there's 50,000 realtors 
and everybody wants a listing, there's a lot of people that will say, let's just list it as is. That's why I say that those people, those traditional realtors are listing houses. Now, you know, under 300,000, sure, you can just list a house and it will sell because the buyers have little to choose from. It just depends on what the environment that you're currently working in is. When you have, you know, in North Scottsdale right now, there's nine months of inventory. That's a different world. You got to get ready for the dance if you want to get a date. <laughs> and you have to know your market well. You know the stats. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, hey, if you're going to, I call it wedding day, but if you're on a wedding day, do you go get your hair did? Of course you do, right? Do you go put on a tuxedo? Of course you do. Well, this is what it takes when the market's competitive. And I think it's interesting that you view things a little differently. So let me give you a quick example. It sounds to me like in your mind, instead of spending $2,000 to promote the property in magazines and on the television and radio or wherever else people want it, instead of doing that, you're going to take the $2,000 and put it into the property, improve the property, make it look like a million bucks so that the buyers seeing it on the internet and the pictures are going to want to be attracted to that home. Mike, I drive three times the amount of traffic my competitors do to the house. When I go to a listing that was previously listed, I ask them how many people come. I'm like, I get three times, four times. It might even be five times as much traffic as they do through the house because of what we do. So it is marketing, right? The thing is, is magazines, magazines don't work. The newspaper doesn't work. That's all promotion for the realtor, not house. We actually do things to help houses sell faster and for more money. And it sounds to me like what you're focusing on is the appeal of the property itself, what it looks like on the outside and the inside to the home buyer. Right. Just like you would do with your postcard, right? You're going to put, you're going to do a glossy card. You're going to do, you're not going to do a three by five. You'll do a 5.8. Like we work on those things for our own marketing. Why not work on the marketing? Because 52% of the houses are found on a cell phone. If your house doesn't look good in a one or two swipes of the photos, guess what? They're on to the next one. So we need to stick out. Well, tell us more about what you're looking for. What are the common things that you see when you walk in a house that are wrong with the house that need to be improved so that buyer wants to purchase it? Yeah, I mean, I have 57 items that I call that are functional obsolescence. We're trying to remove the functional obsolescence inside of a house. So um, let's call it carpet, <laughs> right? So people don't want carpet anymore, right? So uh, uh, brass, multicolors in paint, just even dated harder or actually mismatched trends. Because sometimes when people live in a house for a while, the bathroom's contemporary and the, the master bath is Tuscan and right, like we got a consistency cells. We got a declutter. We got to depersonalize. We got to fix up the deferred maintenance items in a house. If you back to a road or you have a power line, right, then you have to enhance the house to make it more attractive to get people over the big negative. I mean, these are all strategies that keep people from having to reduce price because the average, what I'm going to call traditional realtor, their only cure for everything is drop price. And the sellers that I work with don't one of, they don't like to be browbeaten on just price, right? Give me some options. But fortunately, when we do this stuff, it gets a two to one or three to one return on the investment. So it's uh, profitable as well. And the average house sells in less than 30 days when we do it. 
If it doesn't, the average house takes longer to sell. If you went into a house and there was only one thing that you could change, what is the thing that you would change most often? What's the first thing that you would change? Get the homeowner out of it. (laughs) (laughs) So vacant sells better than occupied? Typically. I mean, the homeowners add an element that is sometimes it smells. You said if one thing, right, like there's, a, there's a lot of that. Carpet would be another one. Paint's a, paint's a big one. I'll go with paint. Okay. The first one was a smart enough answer. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a smart ass. Well, it may not be far off, though. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, but, I mean, a lot of things can be cured with paint. And when you go with paint today, are you you looking for something that's neutral? What are you looking for? Yeah. What it is, is we're trying to take the personality out of the house that I know when homes are highly personalized, then we need to find that exact buyer and that cleaner in the current is what we call it. Cleaner, simple. It doesn't confuse the buyer. What it is, is that when there's a lot of colors or a lot of pictures, the buyer gets distracted. I mean, a lot of times the seller's like, it feels empty or it feels dull and I'm like it feels like it's gonna sell (laughs) (laughs) and it does right like it's uh we're being very successful with it so we're gonna keep doing it walk us through your process this preparation so start at the beginning where you're back at the listing appointment when do you start talking about what needs to happen to the home will you do that before or after you get hired before at the listing appointment, I tell them, uh, to me, because when you've been in 17,000 houses, I can walk in and, it, you know, I mean, I looked at becoming a, a house expert is what I was trying to become, right? And to understand every surface, understand ceiling heights, like just totally immerse myself so that now when I walk in, it sticks out. It's, so what we do is we record the listing appointment and then we send an email to the seller after where we detail all the notes that need to be done at the initial visit. You know, it's also reassuring to the homeowner when you can walk in. You know, it's just like when you walk into a doctor, right? They take all the tests. We do a thorough walkthrough. I mean, my wife, listening appointments are, you know, an hour and a half, two hours long. So it's the opposite of what I say. Traditional realtors are trying to be in and out 15 minutes, right? So not me. I'm in there loving the house, right? I want to rub the walls. I want to put my hands on the floor. I want to touch the, the surfaces, right? I want to stand in the wood. And then we can make our recommendations from there. And you said you're videotaping your walkthrough and then you're making notes. No, about no, no, no. Audio recording. And then I okay. have one of my assistants types up all of the notes that we discussed. Because I think it's kind of silly that you have a listing appointment. And then the next person that shows up has to repeat, has to get themselves familiar with the house. Well, if they're hiring you to be the expert, right? But I don't want anything to be lost. Because there's a lot of details in an hour and a half that are discussed. So we write out all of the details and then we email it to the client. And then when the stager comes, they just focus on the notes that we made. And it's, sometimes it's another agent on my team, but, maybe, but there's notes that are the staging notes. Here's the plan of attack to get ready to list this house. So then uh, within, depending on the timing of the sale, if they want to sell now or if they want to sell in two months or three months, or if the work's going to take a few months, the stager reaches out and then goes out to meet with the client and starts to work on the honeydew list and the staging items. 
And the honeydew list, that's something for the uh, homeowner to work on? That's what they call it, right? That's the, but the honeydew list is usually the deferred maintenance items. Like when we walk through the house, they're like, oh, I'm going to do that, is what they say. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I'm like, you're good for about three. I don't, I'm going to do that. After that, we know we're going to need somebody to get in here and do it because you've lived here for 12 years and you're going to do it. But we need to sell the house in this month, so we need to get it done now. You're bringing that all up at the beginning. Well, we have the consult, the walk around. Yeah, no, it's in the initial listing appointment. And it's just because that's when they're going to decide if they're going to win or not, if we're going to go with us or not. We give them our expertise. We let them know where we're at before they sign. I don't even send them a listing agreement. I mean, until like a week or two in. If they want to work with us, they'll work with us. See, the thing is, is when you offer something of extreme value to somebody, they can't get anywhere else. Not the way we do it. When it's that different than what other people do, and they want to work with you. So we don't have to be in a rush, rush environment. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. To get the stuff signed. What are you talking about on that initial appointment? Are you only talking about the preparation of the house? Are you also talking about pricing or how you sell homes or what they're going to net Everything, out? Everything, or... yes. Yep. We go through, uh, I give them pricing at the end. I don't make up a decision on price before I get there. I look at the comps. I review the comps with them after, and we compare the four major areas of the house, kitchens, bathrooms, outdoor space, flooring. And I give them the ranges if they want to sell it as is or if they want to do some improvement. We go through our complete marketing plan. I mean, Last year, we spent, I don't know, almost $600,000 on marketing, so there's a lot there. I'd give it to them in an outline. We just talk about some, you know, the things that we do differently in trying to, I mean, last year, we sold 50% of our houses from open houses. Realtors are telling people that open houses don't work. I think they're just flat out lying, or they don't know, or they do them bad. I don't know, whatever it is, but the open houses is the key to selling for the next, you know, 10 years, so... To get the house sold, not for buyers, to get the house sold. Yeah, consumers want to shop on their own. They don't want to shop with a realtor. At the end, they will, but they want to, they can now because of Zillow and Trulia, realtor.com. Sure. So they could see it all online. So since they can do that, just bring them in to the open house. They get exposed to the property. And then do they typically purchase? They purchase through their own realtor. I don't care. I mean, I'm, I, I don't try and disassociate. I'm not trying to steal the realtor's clients. I'm like, if you want to use that person, go ahead. I mean, they're probably giving them a discount or something like that. My goal is to sell the house for top dollar. So if I try and cause a you know, strife between me and that realtor, then that realtor's going to be like, oh, that house has a, got rats. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe not. Right. Like, but if they're not going to get paid, you know, the, so we have a good relationship with all the realtors. We want to work with everybody. I'm not being greedy in this process. I just want to get the house sold for top dollar. Who's got our, I'll give you an example. I'll tell you a story. I like to tell stories. So that demonstrates what I'm talking about here. So we have a house listing. It's one, two. So the house is a one, six house inside a spectacular house. 
lots of deferred maintenance, things that, you know, the roof leaked, but they, they fixed the roof, but they didn't fix the drywall outside, you know, just, just different stuff like that through the house, right? The carpet was ripped because his kids were playing, right? We got to fix that, you know I mean? Just different paint. But he has a pool in the backyard, what I call functional obsolescence. He has a short backyard, meaning that for a one-two house, people typically with a family is a six-bedroom house, 5,500 square feet. They want a bigger yard. So we got to get the thing fixed up. But I said, you know, our price, uh, I think your house is great, but I, you know, we, we talked about pricing. I give them three options for pricing. So the first three days were listed, and we pre-listed on Zillow. How many realtors do you think came through the house? No idea. Two. Zero. This is what I'm talking about, right? It's a new listing. The open house on Sunday, how many people do you think came? Five. Thirty-five. 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 <laughs> yes. Photos. We did drone photos. Like, we did a huge, you know, marketing blast thing out. We got it all cleaned up. We got the floor scrubs. We fixed some hardware. You know, I mean, we went through the house. Got everything looking spectacularly. So the next week, guess how many realtors showed up from Monday till the next open house on Sunday? Two. Same answer. Zero. <laughs> yeah, right. Because the only reason realtors were going to show houses is because their client asked them to see it. Well, if the client's already seen the, the open house, guess what? The realtor doesn't have to take them. Okay. So the next Sunday, we do an open house. Guess how many people show up? 30. You guessed it. 30. Yeah, now you're on the track. Yep. <laughs> Remember how I told you that we drive more traffic than other realtors? Yeah. So we got a million two house and we have 60 people through the house. And people are like, they're looky lose. They're not looky lose. Guy walks in the house and he says to my agent in the house, I love it. I've been looking for months. I've looked at 30 houses with my realtor, is what he said. I want to buy it. So I knew the realtor. He calls me and writes me a full price offer. Now, I didn't go after him for procuring cause, but obviously he, he, he was shopping on his own, right? They really got tired. I mean, that's normal, right? Like, I'm not going to, this guy, I don't know what he wants, right? Walked in for what I call the seven-step rule. Oh, my God, I love it. Guy was a doctor. They bought it. It closed 37 days later, full price. Everything that I told you, it just all wrapped into the reality of what's going on in today's market. Now, remember, I'm in the mid-luxury you said you're selling about 50% of your homes through open houses, and I recognize that that may mean that another agent brings them in. What are you doing to get such exposure on the open house that so many people are coming through? How are you marketing the open house itself? We're fixing up the house to make it look better in the pictures. That's marketing. Yeah, we make sure that we have it on every internet site out there, making sure that we Post, you know, the open house is advertised starting on Wednesdays, not on Sundays, because traditional realtors think that balloons drive traffic, but no, the internet does. You got to get the advertising out early, make sure it's on Zillow and truly and homes.com and realtor.com. You got to make sure your open house ad is going to be on Redfin. I have a specific gal that verifies all of this stuff because the syndication doesn't work well. But if you don't get the marketing out, I mean, don't get me wrong, Sunday morning, we, we have an open house sign guy. He puts out signs first thing. 10 o'clock in the morning, we put open house one to four, but it's kind of like um, when you have a girl that's very attractive and she's looking for a date, right? You put pictures of her up and she gets lots of calls. 
So we're just trying to, I call it the Matthew McConaughey effect. The better it looks, you're going to attract a lot of attention. <laughs> well, it certainly works. It definitely works. So let me switch gears for a second. My understanding is that you're getting a, a large percentage of your business from internet leads. I think it's around half of the business. Is this what you're talking about where you're doing the open houses or do you mean something else? No, 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 no. This is just, yeah. We focus on trying to meet buyers on the internet through Google ads, through Zillow, but mostly Google and Facebook. So those are what we call internet leads. But mostly I do hub marketing. I do everything that leads to cbox.com. cbox.com just had an overhaul. We're up for a Webby award for use of video on our website. So just like with the houses, it's just we have a content-rich, very deep website that entices people to want to work with us, right? We're offering them things of value inside our website. So, you know, when you show that you're a local area expert online, because most 99% of websites out there are thin. They're just IDX-style websites. Like now, I mean, we have Boomtown, but that's not our what is essentially our promotional website. People rely just on the IDX. Like, you want homes? Go look at homes. But what they want is they want to, the buyers and sellers want expertise. And realtors do not do enough play of expertise on the internet, but we do. And then when you have that, you know, we have a little over 10,000 pages. You know, when you have that content, then you can advertise your content by essentially buying traffic on Google or Facebook drive them to this website. And then, you know, I got the agents to follow up on the leads. Last year, we created 7,000 leads. But remember, it's 7,000 leads averaging 600,000 sale price. So, because we still have a lot of lower end business, but a lot of internet leads, people talk about creating thousands and thousands of leads. That's for leads that are 100,000, 150,000. Like anyone can create those leads. Tell us the top three pieces of content that people go to your website for? What are the top three pages that people are landing on and being attracted to? Their neighborhood. We use a video strategy I call PENS, P-E-N-N-S. It's property videos, expertise videos, neighborhood videos, niche videos, and then story time videos. So they're coming here for this kind of content. Mostly, I think neighborhoods is probably the number one I mean, just go to S-I-B-B-A-C-H.com. Check out the videos. You'll see what I mean. It's pretty... But we have maps. We have graphs. We have links to school. We have blogs about the school districts. I mean, we're... Essentially, we've become what Gary Vee said, the mayor of our town. If they want anything for real estate in the area, we're going to deliver it for them through the website. Are people being attracted to your website for a specific property? And then while they're there, they're noticing that you have all this neighborhood information? Or are you attracting people in based strictly on the neighborhood? Yes, strictly on the neighborhood. I mean, we get plenty of traffic looking for a house. There's plenty of that. Here's what it is. is We're meeting them in all different kinds of ways, but in every instance, we're displaying this stuff. So sometimes we have to buy traffic. I mean, I don't know. We had 289,000 visitors last year. So the average realtor has you know, less than 5,000 visitors to their website on a yearly basis. And my thinking is that they just need to work on this too if they want to grow their business. What is on that neighborhood page? You said videos, 
videos of what? What other information? Did you ever see the show The Blacklist? Sure. Okay. So this guy in there, his name is, I think it's James Spader. So the guy's an evil character, but either way, he talks about like when he's like, I ran into Larry, the butcher, because it's the, the show where there's serial killers. And he's like, we were down in Nicaragua. Have you ever been to Scarla's for the scones? If you ever go to Nicaragua, right? Like, so do you think this guy knows about Nicaragua? Yes. Like, so we use that kind of style and we talk about things in the neighborhood. And then we talk about the houses in the video. Okay. So the video is about the houses or is the video about the neighborhood? Like, you're driving through the neighborhood yeah. or you're showing oh. highlights of the neighborhood. Yeah. You just check them out. I mean, you'll see it's a, I mean, you, what it is, is it's a chance for us to display our expertise on houses and neighborhoods and schools. And, and I talk, you know I mean? But I mean, we're displaying the houses. They're going to go see the houses. They want to know where should I eat? Where should I shop? What schools are my kids going to go to? What parks are they going to play at? What clubs are they going to belong to? who the stars are that live around here. I mean, just a complete promotion of the area. It's deep. And then we got maps and graphs and blogs about the different things. It's in writing. It's in videos. It's in pictures. I mean, we hired a college kid to go take thousands and thousands of photos to feed Google to drive traffic. Yeah, so I was wondering how you built out all that content. And then you were just talking about you hire the college kid to what, put in some keywords on the pages to pull in SEO traffic? No, 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 no. There's no simple way. There's not, I mean, we actually use keywords, but it's not like old school black hack marketing. You, you could make a, a document keyword rich, but that's not what we're doing. It's just Google's smarter than we are. Okay. So they just want someone that is interesting. So we just become very interesting. I have a marketing team on my staff. We don't use the marketing for the broker. They're interested in growing to get more realtors. We're out there trying to do this. So we, there's, we have blog writers. We have you know, video producers to try and put out this content. We're, I'm constantly out shooting more neighborhood videos, uh, fix-up videos. I mean, we're getting after it. Okay, fix-up videos. So that's kind of, is that where it looks like the HGTV situation? Yeah. So, okay. So I sold a house to a couple in Chandler, Arizona. And when I got there, they had two dogs and she lived in Texas and she loved to leave her doors open. Well, there was a farm behind them, right? Like an open field that had cows in it. And her house is just like the, the shit was just, I mean, not the literally the shit, but like the hay and stuff was like in her house. And it was just and she's like, I want my neighbor's house sold for this. And I look at, you know, you look at the, the pictures of the neighbor's house and it looks perfect, right? So her dogs had eaten all of the grass in the backyard. It was now the sprinkler heads were gnawed off, right? Because she had two big dogs. You know what I'm talking about. You ever been over there? It used to look like grass. It was kind of like grass in the corners. So anyway, we had to put in sod. So we had to get that picked up. We had to paint the house. The doors needed to be cleaned up in the jams, and then we had to put new carpet in. So we do a little video of what we did, and I told her, 
if they invest 10 grand, that they'll get 25 more. So we sold the house for 22,000 more. Took us three and a half weeks to get the house ready. They're moving back to Texas. I said, you got to take the dogs with you. Your husband can stay. You know, like I said, we got to get the things that are going to keep the house for selling for less out if we can. But her situation allows that. That's not common that the homeowner stays. We just talk about different things and helping them manage that. So we did a video about how we fixed it up, got top dollar, sold in, I don't know, I think it was like eight days. Ah, uh, so you did like a before video and an after video, you know, like before and you had set the budget and after and what it... I take photos when I go for the listing appointment, right? We take photos of the property, not the ones we're going to use for the internet, right? Because you want professional photos for the internet. You don't want to take them on your own cell phone. I don't think that's smart. So I had the pre-photos. And of course, because now I've now sold over a thousand houses, I know what the photos are going to look like. So I take it in kind of the same angle so we can do before, after. So you can see, you know, where she had kind of like uh, Sanford and Son stuff in the backyard that got taken out off of the grass where the dogs were. Because she had a fence up. We had to take that fence down. But before, after, you know, you can find it on the Internet. It's there. So you're, you're creating all that content on your website. You're either attracting people there or you're sending people there. We use it as a conversion tool. So what it is is we use social media as well, right? So we got stories on Instagram and Facebook pages, you know what I mean? And just trying to deliver this content out to convert the buyers that we're working with and sellers. How does that work with the story on Instagram? Give us an example of how that would work. On Instagram, we're, we're, we're doing photos. The, the story I do for myself. So what it is is I fortunately live a good life, and I'm just integrating pictures from real life. And then we just sold this house. We fixed up this one, a little videos, right? Like it's just uh, – and then I'm just shooting pictures while I'm out looking at houses, right, different neighborhoods. I'm just doing, you know, updates. And then there's a CBOC team, which we don't use the stories as much. We're just so far this year, you know, we're on track to sell 300 million. So each month as we're doing our sales, we have a top five. We have, but we also have, we just sold this house. This one's in escrow, this happy buyer. Check out what, you know, you know, these people's new homes, just stuff like that. And okay, we, you know, we just, you know, help these people upgrade their appliances and their hardware. Check it out. Cool. And that's driving traffic back to your website. Yes. How do people go from landing on your website to becoming a lead for you? Are they filling out a form? Are you requesting information? 7,000 people filled out a form. Okay. And what are they filling out a form for? What are you offering them that they're accepting? To sell a house or to buy a house. Last night we got a lead. So we have an Arcadia video and the lady's like, you know, we're moving to Phoenix. We want to live in South Scottsdale. We're looking to spend between 800 and one, two. We want someone that knows the rental district, right? So they fill out the form on the Arcadia page. Ah, so they're coming in actually knowing that they want to be a buyer to work with you or a seller to work with you, as opposed to coming in to get a free market analysis for a seller or a free list of homes as a buyer. Yeah. The whole free list, I mean, the free list of homes, I guess, to me, it seems gimmicky at this point, right? Don't you have Zillow that has, I mean, Zillow has 160 million visitors. They're going to go there for the free list of homes. I mean, we have off-market properties that we offer that for, but it's not, that's just not the, 
that stuff works. Uh, it's just for higher end buyers, you have to offer authentic content to get the better lead. Well, Jeff, this has been really interesting. You've described some of the basics of your business. You have a really large budget for marketing. I think you said 600000 a year. And people are going to be listening that you got a large team. I mean, this team. year it might be closer to 800000 but yeah. So you got a, a really large team. And a question people are going to have is, are you profitable? Is your model profitable? Uh, yes, I believe so. I don't know. It's about, last year it was in the range of 24 to 26% profit. We're making money. We have to watch expenses because expenses are what will kill a business. So uh, I have a partner in business. His name is Phil. He's the head of operations. But collectively, between the two of us, uh, we pulled out close to a million bucks last year. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty good. Well, Is that good? That's, oh, okay. I think it Well, I hope it's good. Does that sound good to you? We have a good life. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, Jeff, what drives you? What drives me? Initially, it was I wanted to be the best realtor ever. I think we're still on that path. I like training people, actually. So I like teaching people. I like homeowners getting, helping them actually get top dollar and having a solution for them. I like to find houses for people that are, are not on the internet. Truly find them great houses. Last year, we found that <laughs> it was funny because we had a buyer that, I just love real estate. That's the answer to the question. We had a buyer that was looking and they said, oh, we want to spend seven hundred to 800000 So we went out in the neighborhood to try and find houses that were not listed. And we found this house. And when my agent found it, she's like, oh my God, Jeff, you got to come over. We're in there. And I, I was like, we need to move. This house is spectacular. She bought it for one, three. She only wanted to spend seven hundred to 800. Fortunately, they had the ability to spend more. But when you find great houses for people, they do, they move mountains to get them. So it's fun. So that's what drives me as well. <laughs> that's great. Well, Jeff, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Go look at lots of houses. Go actually go in them. Make sure that you understand the product you're selling. That unfortunately, most realtors in this business, just because they went through the 90-hour class, feel that they're a realtor. And yes, you could rough somebody through a contract, but you're not actually offering anything of expertise until you understand the houses, what people want for them, but it's like understand the marketplace. So go look at a thousand houses, go look at 2000 houses, and then let's get after it. Well, Jeff, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with mastermind agent are valuable? Of course. It's a great way to, to get tips to enhance your own business. I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? The world of real estate is going to go through a massive transformation in the next five years. We're currently in it. And that traditional brands or traditional realtors are staying focused on the ways of the past and that they're going to have trouble in the future if they don't look for new ways to be creatively helping and actually trying to help our clients. Meaning the industry is too focused on everybody wants to know how can I grow my own business, right? Like they're too focused on doing things that are more in the favor of the realtor than the client. And I think that we need to come up with more client focused 
right? How can we actually help that homeowner get what they're looking for? Well, Jeff, your hands-on approach to updating and staging a home is resulting in faster sales at higher prices and happier clients who send more referrals. Looking at repair and updating costs as marketing costs is a radical concept, but it does add value to your service and commit the seller to you. It's a great approach in this new world of selling homes, where the first showing happens online when buyers see the home photos. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 96 homes last year as a solo agent and took six months of vacation. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.